boy's best friend is his mother. My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And we are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another installment of 100 Years of Horror. And we are so close to ending out this 100 years. We are headed into the 90s. So we only have two decades left. No, two, three. Wait, sorry. Three. three. I always three forget that the 90s were like almost 30 years ago. Isn't that crazy? We're I don't, old. I know. I don't feel like I'm almost 30, which is upsetting. So we have <laughs> the 90s. The 2000s and the 2010s left. So we have three decades left. So we're going to start the 90s off with 1990. The first two of these we have already done full episodes on. So you can head back and listen. So we're going to start 1990 off with Misery. Which if you haven't seen Misery you should do that. Because it's iconic. You have Kathy Bates. It's a Stephen King. Which you read this one I believe for our episode. Yes Yes. I did. So Yes, go listen to that. And Misery obviously is about a an author and he gets in a car accident in the snowy wilderness and is saved, but not actually. He probably would have rather died in the snow by <laughs> Annie Wilkes and his number one fan finds him and then basically kidnaps him and tortures him, you know. And he does not get Stockholm Syndrome, let me just say. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, of course, home to the iconic scene where he's laying in bed and she fucking, she basically disables him to the point where he cannot escape by breaking his ankles in a horrific scene, which, I mean, you can see it on YouTube. Like, it's there. Just (laughs) look up misery ankle scene. Like, you can watch it. And in the book, she cuts him off. That's terrible. Yeah. Great. Yeah, they differ a little bit, but they're both brutal in their own way. <laughs> so, you know, that's fun. And she just does all these horrible things. She drugs him the whole time, breaks his ankles while she wants him to write basically the book the way she wants it written. Because when she reads his, I believe, the manuscript, she doesn't like it. So she wants him to write the way that she wants him to write and basically wants to off them together I believe as if I'm remembering that correctly mm-hmm. it basically she wants to kill him and <laughs> that's basically it he has to escape and there's a in the movie there's actually a sheriff character that's onto it and he comes to the house and he gets got it's just really yeah. sad and he's actually him and his wife are like the comedic relief of the movie but again you can head back into our episode and listen to the whole walkthrough of it but just like a side note of misery uh, just a memory that I have with us recording it there was one day where it was right after we saw it chapter two and if you actually go listen to our it and it chapter two we read the book it which if you know that's no small undertaking <laughs> it is my favorite movie like horror movie or it's up there, but it is probably chapter one is my favorite horror movie. I'm just going to say it. I'm actually later today going to get more work done on my Pennywise tattoo portrait because I just love it so much. And it was devastating because we recorded, I think, was it five or six episodes in one day? I I think it was four. I know uh, it was Amityville Horror, Misery, It. I think there was a Christmassy one we did. Krampus, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, it and then it chapter two were one and then the book. So that was like an extra long episode. Yeah. And it had to come terrible. out the next day. And my, we were using my Yeti, my microphone, and it fucking, I don't know what happened to it, but it wasn't a dysfunction that was noticeable when we were recording. You left. And that night you sent me the episode or whatever. And it wasn't even really something I don't think you caught in recording or in editing. No, I definitely caught it. uh, This is as good as I can get it. Oh, it was just weird. And if you go listen to our it episode, it had to come out like there wasn't anything we could do about it unless we delayed. But at that point it was like, well, we don't have like, we lost any time. We lost like six hours of recording time because my mic went down and I never fixed it. I had to buy new stuff. Like it was terrible. And I just had to throw that out there because that's my memory of, we tried to record misery like three times, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's we did. Like, when I think about our recording thing with misery, that's what I remember about it. Cause we had to try to do it like three or four times. We had to keep, keep rescheduling it because of mic failure. Yeah. And so. a little, background of podcasting it's super awkward when you have to record something three times because you get your best jokes out the first run and you gotta kind of like relive the magic it's just weird it's not great well and like you're when you're watching a movie you like think of something funny and you're like oh I gotta remember that and then you say it and then like the second time you say it and the third time you're like because I want to make Kristen laugh and she wants to make me laugh like because this is like our conversation you know but we share it with you guys and which is obviously we we hope that you get entertainment out of it as well. But essentially we started it because we were having the conversation too. And so like when she's like, yeah, haha, I heard it before. It's like, man, it, you know, it's just right. Exactly. I heard it three times now. God. Yeah. You're not funny anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's just, I know that it's not really about like the movie. It's just like, I had to mention it and it went up and it was, like I said, so devastating because I had waited so long for one, it chapter two to come out. And then I didn't really like it as much as obviously I wanted to. I had waited so long to review it just because I loved it and I loved the book and you didn't. So we were going to like, just go at it from that angle too. And then yeah. it was garbage. The quality is so bad. It is like the wor- one of the worst. Like we've had a couple just like that did not come out. Like rec- this is like our first year of recording. Obviously audio is a little. And sometimes we still struggle with it. Some, you know. Yeah. But man. And like somebody even said something. And I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. Like we lost like, you know, six out. Like that. he wasn't the only one. But like, you know, I was like, we lost like six hours of recording. And I had to buy new equipment. And it had to like come in. And like we just didn't have like that was our option we had to put it up so yeah but anyways moving on (laughs) (laughs) so bear with us if our misery episode isn't as funny yeah we were like well it's the fourth time we recorded misery so here it is exactly but moving on to 1991 we have our second american film and the second one that we did last year it was more towards the beginning of the year so if i have commented on any of this in the exact episode and just repeat myself i'm sorry i don't remember but it is silence of the lambs you know classic anthony hopkins yes. jody foster oh my god Amazing. it's so good exactly so if you haven't seen silence of the lambs silence of the lambs is about a couple of serial killers so we have jody foster she is an fbi agent in training she is actually at quantico right now being a student and one of her professors asks her to interview Hannibal Lecter who is a serial killer basically it comes down to he wants her to interview Hannibal Lecter to get information on a new serial killer 
Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill is the serial killer that we have in the background who is getting these women and he is skinning them. And Jodie Foster's character and all of the FBI is trying to find out where he is. And Anthony Hopkins is the super smart psychologist who actually has had contact with a lover of this man's in the past. So he actually kind of knows who he is and they're trying to get him to help track this guy down. Eventually, they do track him down, and Jodie Foster kills him. Yep. And I also... Oh, go ahead. You first, because this is like another story of recording that I remember. So yeah. you first. Go through the movie. So the the two comments that I have that I always like to bring up, I probably did in the exact episode, too, but it always gets to me. When Jodie Foster is first talking to him, and they're talking about serial killers, he Hannibal Lecter mentions that, you know, serial killers take trophies, And he mentions, he goes, I didn't. And she goes, no, you ate yours. And I love that part because if you watch his face, he gets so offended. And he's so offended that he's like right away, he starts going after her. It's a very nice, pleasant conversation. But as soon as she says, he's just like any other serial killer, he fucking switches, which is every serial killer. They are always different. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Yeah, when I watched this, actually, my dad told me, I didn't unfortunately watch it with him when he was still alive, not trying to be dark, but he told me when I was a kid, like, Silence of the Lambs is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I was like, oh my God, I can never watch it. Cause like, I watched The Exorcist with him, which fucking blew my mind. You know? like, I was <laughs> right. like, no, if it's scarier than The Exorcist, I can't fucking handle it. As a teenager, I finally watched, I think it was like, uh, well it was after he passed so I had to have been like 18 or 19 and I watched it and I was like I don't get it dad like you were such a bad but like now I'm like yeah okay like that's like that's pretty well that's real horror exactly yeah and I think that was Anthony Hopkins is so haunting and frightening Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so I definitely can see that being scary you know especially coming out in the 90s you know and uh being just about Especially after when, you know, when I think about my dad and our parents living through like the age of serial killers when they were at that. That's true. Yeah. You know, like that could be definitely kind of triggering. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. The second thing that I like to comment on, and I know I commented in the episode, I know about this one, but I'm bringing it up anyway. She's our main girl. So everything is through her eyes. And you definitely see it the whole time that she is in this man's world and they always end up looking at her especially there's a point where they go to a funeral home to find this new body that has washed up and these big officers are around her they're all men and they're looking down on her and they she says something she's like okay you guys you can all leave we're gonna take care of her from here on out thank you her family thanks you she's very polite about it and they just stare at her like she's fucking charlie brown's teacher like so frustrating yeah yeah, I mean, I do love that they showed that, though, because even when she goes, like, to the hick-ass town, you know, and then yeah. in the academy, like, they showed de- several different aspects of being a woman in a man's world. Just, yeah. You know, I like that they made a point to highlight that, and she was, like, she dealt with it very well, you know. Yeah, and she I even makes – her great. Yeah. She does a great job. She even makes comments to her professor of, he's like, well, did I offend you by telling them? Because he takes the cops into a different room by looking at her, by basically pointing out, well, she's a woman and shouldn't hear this. And he talks to her later about it in the car. And he goes, are you, were you upset about that? And she goes, I mean, you're the one who shows them how to act. It matters. 
And then he's like, that's true. And they move on. And that's a good fucking point because it is true. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Men in power have to set an example for other men in power, unfortunately, because, Mm -hmm. you know, or at least then. And still, like, I don't know why I'm kidding myself. And still. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I don't know if you remember when we were recording this, if you go back and you listen to the episode now, I think we kept it in because it was funny when we were recording at my house because we used to be able to hang out and record together. Yeah. So Um, long ago. (laughs) There. I have this neighbor across the cul-de-sac and she's like kind of elderly and she lives alone and she was just staring. Uh, oh like, my God, that was that episode? Yeah, that was Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That was so creepy. I know. And she's like, I've only interacted with her a few times and she was like pretty nice. Like I'm not like trying to be mean or anything, but it was creepy because like it was kind of dark, like the sun was going down and we were talking about this and I'm pretty sure it was Silence of the Lambs. Like I'm pretty positive. I have a pretty good memory about that kind of stuff. And we were talking about it and she kept like just staring out her screen door or like, or she'd come out and be like behind her truck and we would just see her face just like staring what looked like straight into the window at us. And it was so distracting. Yeah, it was so fucking creepy. Yeah. And, and I remember it was like dark and cloudy and it was just adding to the ambiance yeah we were and we had you know we set the mood when we could record together and like light candles and we have posters in here i literally painted the room like red and a dark gray on opposite walls so it is like very this is literally the spooky room in my house like this is the podcasting space and in my home it is like my my horror room like i have my collection of stuff in here you know so and it's now where my tarantulas live so you know (laughs) it's literally like i have eight of them now and they live in here so it's literally just my spooky space so when you have something spooky happening outside and you're in a spooky room you're like oh you know (laughs) exactly (laughs) extra spooky so yeah but you can go listen to both of those episodes but the next three actually are new to just this episode so just this recap of the 90s so Mm mm-hmm Talking about that, we are going to move on to actually another Dracula film. So, mm-hmm. all right. So for 1992, this is my movie. I was born November 1st, 1992. Woo! It was released November 13th, 1992. Oh, so, holy shit. It really yeah. is your movie. It really is. Like just a few weeks after, like yeah. a week after, like, I don't know, 13 days after I was born, 12 days, whatever. So this is Bram Stoker's Dracula, but make it sexy you know like oh no 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 okay whoo i'm sorry my screen just went black and then i freaked out because you know that used to happen no 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 no. yeah (laughs) okay i'm sorry you are good that's okay this is bram stoker's dracula but make it sexy in the 90s we're gonna have gary oldman we're gonna have anthony hopkins we're gonna have winona Ryder. i mean we we just got keanu reeves oh god keanu reeves in the 90s Ooh, baby <laughs> we like him now but oh baby well, he is oh i think he oh god he looked good in this but um, so anyways <clears throat> it was nominated for four academy awards by the way Dang. and won three for best costume design best sound editing and best makeup so okay yeah definitely yeah it, it's uh it's not like it won like best film or anything because horror you know but it oh, yeah, but it still yeah exactly it definitely feels like it's a drama and a love story like it does have some horror elements because gary oldman is dracula and he looks very creepy 
because mm-hmm. he yes he's got the gary oldman because you know back in the 90s like gary oldman could get it you know like oh, even yeah. in harry potter like he was you know kind of a fox you know <laughs> <laughs> so but he also they don't try to make dracula the whole time be like this suave like back in the 30s you know no he was like kind of creepy yeah, and kind of gross looking for yeah. some of it. They definitely made him look much more monstrous. Not the whole time, like I said. There were definitely some times where he was coming after Winona Ryder's character, Mina, as his lover. And definitely, like, they had some sexy going on. Oh, yeah, know? they did. I was God like, damn. go with him. Damn. Yeah. yeah, so he actually, there's, in 1462, Vlad Dracula, Vlad and he basically goes and fights the turks and his wife actually commits suicide because she thought that he died but he didn't and i think it so this movie has a lot going on it's only like an hour 40 or no i guess no it's two hours i'm sorry it's two hours long and from the beginning to the end you feel like you've just run a marathon in my opinion yeah. like, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on because from the beginning to the end you feel like you've watched like almost two separate stories which you mm-hmm. kind of have because you watch his past and also his future and Winona Ryder's character was his wife in the 1490 or in 1462 and then also kind of I'm assuming like they're getting at a like a reincarnation and he's been looking for her since then and Mm -hmm. finds her in Mina and basically seeks her out and is like I've been looking for you and she's like what the fuck who are you I don't want to have anything to do with it but then uh, she does (laughs) <laughs> yeah but then of it's course you very old men yeah come on man i know exactly but then also you have all these subplots like her best friend gets turned into a vampire and i had to mention or her sister sister or best friend i don't remember i do not remember right her name is lucy i think mm-hmm. but you also have renfield character who's gone insane which it's this it's, it's like i said it's bram stoker's dracula just make it sexy so you have Lucy who's turned into a vampire. And I only bring that up because when she's turning slash dying, they're like, oh my God, she's dying. And I was like, no, no, she's orgasming. Do y'all oh, know? right. I thought the same fucking thing. I was like, she is fully having a wet dream right now in front of everybody. Uh-huh. She, her tits are out. They're coming yeah. in and like trying to do a blood transfusion because Anthony Hopkins is supposed to be fucking van helsing mm-hmm. and he comes in and is like oh we have to save her from turning into a vampire and they're like we do got to do a blood transfusion to get the vampire blood out so you got to put your blood in and they're like oh my god she's dying and i was like her tits are out and she's moaning and writhing on the bed that is not death that <laughs> is something it is the else. french little death oh yeah yeah that's different different death. <laughs> different things Dracula yep yep exactly and she's all about it too so basically Mina like I said going back to Mina's character she meets Dracula basically and it doesn't figure out who he is immediately but definitely gets like entranced with him and she's supposed to get married right and he goes off and meets Count Dracula gets captured by his women you know he's got like the three they're basically succubus vampires yeah 
but that's also a subplot. I know this sounds very confusing, but like I said, you feel like you run a marathon through this movie because there's so many subplots going on, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a very good movie. Like it's, I would it's watch it. It's a really it. good movie. Oh yeah, I would definitely watch it again. But our main plot is between Mina and Count Dracula, and she's supposed to get married, and but to she Keanu. Be- Oh, God, to Keanu. God, he looks good in this movie. <laughs> I swear I am not just in it for, like, I am a grade A horror reviewer, but God, he looks good in this movie. And she's supposed to get married to Keanu Reeves, right? But then she meets this meets Dracula, and he basically just happens to run across her on the street and in interjects himself into her life on purpose because he's been looking for her. And she becomes you know she can't stop thinking about him and he's so interesting and you know sexy and dark and there's just something about him you know mm-hmm. and she's like well i can't stop thinking about him and uh i kind of want that so she and she knows that they have some sort of connection she can definitely feel that and so she basically knows that they're since they are connected he will find her again because they get separated and when he does she finds out that he's a vampire and at first she's mad because you know lucy died or became a vampire and then they chased her and hunted her and killed her like stake through the heart killed her and then beheaded her correct and then you know uh that was rough (laughs) (laughs) so at first she's mad because she's like oh my god you're a monster but then she's like you know i want to i'll just i'll just be with you forever and he's also conflicted because he's like, I'm a monster. Like, you don't want this life that, or this death, rather. <laughs> and uh, he's like, nah, I'm good. Like, go ahead and turn me. And they're doing this whole orgasmic turning scene. Oh, right? yeah. And they get I'm ready. Up. Yeah, I am I- ready to be a vampire. Let's do <laughs> I knew I was watching this the whole time. And I was like, Kristen, this is basically born for Kristen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Yes turn her turn her exactly go mina go mina yeah exactly they get interrupted and then he turns into a bunch of rats and runs away and he's going back to his home but she already started the process so now they're definitely connected because his blood's all up in her and you know so then these men van helsing and her (laughs) she ended up getting married to him so now mina's husband keanu I think his name is Jonathan, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's better when he's just Keanu. Keanu. <laughs> Keanu versus Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> they go hunt him and they bring her because they're connected so they can try to get information from her. And they basically go hunt him at his own castle. And they unfortunately do critical damage. They KO him, basically. <laughs> And Nina stops them and she's like, she de- tells her husband, like, this is going to happen to me because, like, I'm already pretty much vam- a vampire at this point. So are you going to do this to me, too? And he's like, are oh, you right? <laughs> so she basically, if he dies the true death, as true blood called it. <laughs> and she stakes him and basically ends his misery out of love. And she's just left being a vampire without her true love. And it's kind of sad. That's super sad. Dracula yeah. was gonna get the girl. After like literally centuries. Yeah. 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 Oh, but I loved his armor. Right in the beginning, you get to see him as an actual human being and he's in the military. 
and his armor is all freaking it looks like muscle yeah it's just blood red and it looks like it has the tendrils of muscle on it so cool looking yeah no this uh it's the you know the 90s the the scores aren't super high for the movies compared to like when when we used to be like this has a 99 this has a 79 percent audience score and a 71 percent critic score but this audience score is 259,201. Jesus, yeah. So for it to average a 79, especially in the 90s when things were like super campy, you know, that's pretty good. Especially for a Dracula vampire movie because those tend to not do very well, especially between like the 80s and 90s. You know, so good for them. And especially for it being a major production and to go on to win Academy Awards. Agreed. And it was such a good movie. Yeah. I'm glad I watched it. I love it. Definitely recommend, yeah. For sure. Moving on to 1993, we have actually this film has two different titles. But mm-hmm. first, we're going to New Zealand. That's Peter fucking Jackson. awesome. Peter Jackson did a horror movie, and it is called Brain Dead, or in America, it's called Dead Alive. Now, Dead Alive is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. So, my only real comment for this movie, I'm sorry, real quick, it's okay. uh, monkey bite zombie love triangle and the triangle includes his mom moving and on. the triangle includes his mom i love that yeah Continue. yeah basically like that's the synopsis no yeah, so it, thank you thank you okay so yes there is this creepy zombie rat monkey thing that comes to new zealand and it bites this guy's mom this mom then is turning into a zombie and she bites other people and infects the whole town it's very claymation-y it's very robotics that was really cool to see there is so much gore in this oh yeah oh my god you will never see more gore than this it was like he he was like oh my god this is such a great cusp of like cgi and like the 80s just like you know well you know he was like so I saw what fucking Nightmare on Elm Street did with like, the buckets, <laughs> and also we're getting really decent CGI now. Let's yeah. do both. <laughs> Let's triple the buckets of blood. Let's yeah. do even more because yep. it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, he ends up taking a lawnmower. All of the zombies have ended up in his house be- for a party, and he takes a lawnmower to all of them, and that's mm-hmm. how he kills all of these things. Yeah, but it was pretty cool. I have with zombies. (laughs) Exactly. I have other things in there. Like I, all I know is this was basically Psycho as far as Norman Bates goes, but with fucking. He basically was like, I want a Norman Bates character, but I want to make it zombies with lots and lots and lots of blood, and then at the end, I want his mom to come back anyways. Yeah, because she does. I love that I love that it was in New Zealand. That was cool. That's something yeah. we don't usually see. I mean, we don't see it all except what maybe Lord of the Rings. So except for black sheep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that was fucking awesome. The animatronics that they used, they used these animatronic legs where the guy had lost all of his muscle and skin below his waist, but the legs were still moving and bloody. That was so fucking cool and creepy. Yeah, yeah. They used a head lamp is what I call it. They forced one of the zombies onto a lamp and it like made her face into or onto a light bulb and made her face into a lamp. That was pretty fucking cool. I love that our hero is a nerd. 
He is not yeah. the strong guy. He is a small, wimpy little dude whose mom is in charge of everything. Yep. He's not like an Ash type character from like Evil Dead, you know? Exactly. He's not like a macho. Yeah. This movie is really hard to talk about because it's it's basically just ending up in one scene. Like you have little bits of him trying to keep all the zombies contained to his basement. And then his uncle, I think, brings a party over. And then the zombies just, you know, go loose and start killing everybody. I mean, it's hard to talk about a zombie movie because you typically you know what you're getting, you know, for the most part. Right. It's not right. it's not like groundbreaking. It's just super gory. Right. It's something that's always been on my list to watch because it's always on horror lists, evil, yeah. or uh, Dead Alive, mostly for the gore. I'm glad I have watched it now since then, but it is not my type of movie. Oh my God. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, it's not like Peter Jackson goes around being like, I did Lord of the Rings and Dead Alive. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's got an 87% audience score and an 88% critic score. So, you know. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, people like it. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was fine. I, it, I'll probably never watch it again, but it's one of those yeah. things where you're like, check off the list, you know? Glad I yeah, that. those type of movies. I'll probably forget about it, but it's not like I'm upset. Like, it was it was enjoyable enough, you know? Yeah. It, like, it's like one of those slapstick, like, that's why it, it reminded me kind of of Evil Dead, you know? Just no, definitely even down to the claymation they have a his mom turns into this huge claymation zombie that's gonna like overtake the house at the end that's very evil dead yes yep yeah no it was it was definitely interesting i'll give it that but like <laughs> yeah there's no cleaning that house ever though no no it's gone you gotta knock it down like quarters <laughs> of the pandemic you know it's one of those where they're like i'm sorry you just can't move back <laughs> exactly just light a match, burn that sucker down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, to end out, we have a 1994 film. It's a Guillermo del Toro film. And this one is, I thought it was going to be difficult to talk about. And it, I will say the it's not a difficult plot. It just has a lot of different interpretations when you kind of do research about it. But this was actually Guillermo del Toro's first film. Yeah, which was awesome. Yes. And our second vampire film. Correct. The- yep. It's not outwardly like a vampire film like Dracula. It's definitely more of a, like, you have to kind of realize what you're watching. Yeah. It is obviously an English-Spanish film. It's not all in Spanish, but it is, they're English-speaking characters and Spanish-speaking characters mm-hmm. because it is a Mexican film. So... We have a character that he runs an antique store. His name is Jesus. And Ooh, also it's a Christmas movie. It, yeah. It's a Christmas horror movie, Amanda. It, it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it doesn't make you like, feel, you know, super Christmassy, but yes, it is. No, there's like a tree and they say Feliz Navidad like one time, but yeah, it's a Christmas exactly. horror movie. <laughs> yep. It came out December 3rd, actually 1993 in Mexico, but it's on the 1994 list uh, because of its American release, you know, because yeah. you know, December in Mexico means later in 19, you know, 1994 in America. So <laughs> that's why it ended up on the 1994 best of list according to Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, take that as you will. Makes sense. Yeah. But this antique shop owner discovers this device that basically... Now, 
I'm going to really water down this plot because I really highly recommend anything Guillermo del Toro. You go watch it because this movie was great. It just, especially even like Pan's Labyrinth, you really should dive into it because a lot of the themes you can always take away for yourself, you know, but he finds this device, the Kronos device that basically it's kind of like the fountain of youth, except a device. Mm-hmm. That basically turns you into a vampire. Makes yeah. you also and alchemist created this, so we're exactly. going down that route. Exactly. And he develops he this person that finds it, Jesus develops a thirst for blood. And at first he is he it is like disgusting to him. Like you even see this scene where he's like licking it off a bathroom floor, you know, and Yeah, geez, at a party. That is yeah. risking it. Exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, with vampire people that turn to vampires in other movies and shows at first, they're like, oh, God. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse, you know, because at first he's like disgusted with himself, but eventually he's, you know, succumbing to it, basically. And the sad part is it's all on accident. He's just an antique dealer. Yeah. That Uh just picked this thing up. That's sad. Yeah. And he has a little grandpa. Exactly. And it's like one of those things where they're also showing you like, he doesn't want this for himself. Like it shows his relationship with his granddaughter, Aurora and how he's a sweet person and he's not trying to use this for any personal gain. Like it's just, it's one of those things where you know, wrong place, wrong time. But then of course we do have an antagonist, which Ron Perlman is in this and his, I think it's his grandfather wants it. Uh, His uncle, his uncle, excuse me. His uncle wants it for himself. So of course he's going to try and, get it from jesus in any ways necessary so that's where you also have some conflict here and his uncle's a a rich dying man so and he knows about this device and he's been searching for it so of course he's going to send his american nephew to go find it and so we have this of course conflict he doesn't want this and it also is a theme about substance abuse so that's something that I was reading a lot into that you can kind of, of guess it's a vampire film because it also is like noticing these things like it's filtering out your blood and making you drink blood and all these things and it gives you everlasting life. And but then it also talks about him being like addicted to blood and things like that. So and another thing Guillermo del Toro does is all of his movies like this film especially and as he continued on to film, they're all very visually striking. Yes, they are. They're beautiful. And they're all set up the same. Like, there are scenes in this that look like they could have come from The Devil's Backbone or Pan's Labyrinth or things like that, especially with the little girl. Yep, absolutely. And even, like, to go more into the vampire thing, I don't know how people, like, I was when I was reading about this, because I had to read more about it because it's, it's just one of those films, some people didn't realize it was vampire. And I'm like... His skin literally How? burns in sunlight. I don't know. Like, he just because he didn't get bit. <laughs> exactly. Just because he didn't get bit, it's still a device that basically yeah. turns you into that. It's just a different take on it. Yeah. You know? Which I and think that's cool. Give us new takes on vampires. Exactly. And eventually they bring the, the Kronos device to the uncle's place. And they, they he doesn't want this anymore. And he's like, well, I'll give you basically a way out in exchange for the device. And, you know, it's, there's like a new skin underneath, which is like, 
it's it and this is kind of also where Guillermo del Toro's mind like you know mm-hmm. with Pan's Labyrinth I'm, I'm sure I keep referencing Pan's Labyrinth because I'm sure most of you have seen that whereas I'm sure most none of you have I'm not saying none of you but a lot of you haven't seen Kronos because mm-hmm. I hadn't really heard of it until this right but a lot of the like creepy like there's the dead alchemist scene in the beginning his skin is different and when you look at the skin underneath this man, it's, it looks just like the dead alchemist. Like, these are the things out of Guillermo del Toro's mind where I'm like, God, like, it's just so different and yeah. interesting. Or the fact that right in the beginning, the alchemist dying, the only way he dies is by getting, like, some rebar stuck through his heart. Yeah. And I, I just think it's sad that also his granddaughter is just, like, along for the ride, too. Yeah. She tries to protect him by, like, stealing the device and stuff and... Yeah, and she uses the device to wake him up, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think they picked a great actor, though. Yeah. Like, the little old grandpa that gets bit, he could be Dracula, man. Yeah. Like, look at how suave he is when he goes to that party. Yeah, and he actually destroys the device, and the last scene is he's basically, like, he goes home and lies in bed with his granddaughter, and... He waits. For, the sun comes up to see, and he, he like is basically like, "Am I still a vampire?" Basically, which is a actually it's a beautiful ending scene. Like mm-hmm. I said, Gabriel Toro is very visually striking, and it's a very like peaceful. You just wait for the the sun to come up, you know, mm-hmm. on basically a new day, like an ending this whole basically horrific saga this man just lived because of this random device that came into his antique shop yeah so I out agree. of the whole thing it's very sweet it, he like holds his wife's hand it's very sweet yeah it's a really good film like it's one of those where it's i don't know how i'd never maybe it's just i wasn't paying attention but i'd never really heard of it i've never heard of this movie yeah and especially with del toro involved mm-hmm. you would think you know the critics on Rotten Tomatoes give it a 90. The audience gives it a 69. And I'm not sure where the... I think because, like, audience scores, there's 12,988, whereas the critics, only 52. And obviously the critics, you have to go through a lot more on Rotten Tomatoes to be a critic, whereas the audience, you can anybody can read it as an audience member. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's a disconnect between the understanding... Or what? So, yeah, not quite sure where that disconnect came from. It may not be a classic, but it is a smart horror film. Bizarre and creepy spin on the vampire. I mean, these are like three and a half, three stars. I don't know. I definitely give it more than that. I I just think they're maybe missing what makes it great. I agree. This will be now in my, you know, repertoire. I just love it. I'll watch it all the time now. Yeah, I definitely agree. And especially because, I mean, this, even the mm-hmm. the score is gorgeous, too. And I know I'm a, like one of the, you know, I pay attention to that especially, but it's it's really just all everything about it, visually, musically, and of course the plot. Like, it's pretty simple, but even the small things, the small creative things, like how they went about the vampire differently is still just... I don't know. I think it's. I think it's beautiful. So, agreed. Yeah, enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think that Bram Stoker's Dracula was good, but Kronos was good in a different way. So those were definitely Bram Stoker's Dracula was fun and like it's a sexy Dracula, but Kronos <laughs> was definitely the standout just as far as like artistically mm-hmm. in like that sense. So that was probably my favorite of these. So agreed. Yeah. 
But thank you so much for hanging out with us for this first half of the 90s. Look for the second half soon. And then we will we'll be wrapping up here in just, you know, a few more decades. So it's been, I mean, I'm still having a good time. I thought by the end of it, I'd be like, okay, okay, we're almost there. But it's kind of like sad that we only have, you know, what, 25 more movies or whatever. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. I agree. So we'll see we're still working on ideas for more series and things to come so you know we'll see what uh next year brings hopefully it brings more movies to theaters too right but we're trying to also if not you know we have ideas about things that we can do with existing ones so (laughs) you know we'll see what happens there but thank you so much for hanging out with us we really appreciate it you know where to find us hopefully on all of our socials at this point so it's the extra sisters podcast on everything except for twitter which is at the extra sisters and if you would like to come join us on patreon we've got some fun things going on over there as far as reviews i think the my favorite series is our dollar movie series where we just found the most random <laughs> cheapest low budget films we can find you can check those out and you can unlock all of those for just a dollar over there it is patreon.com slash the extra sisters podcast and thank you so much to all of our patrons for their support Yes, thank you guys. And until next time, stay creepy.